powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Better Than Before show on the C-Suite Radio Network. This is your host, Master Coach Tony Richards, coming to you once again with a podcast show about leadership, management, business, economics, everything that has to do with leadership and business. We try to talk about it at some point on this show. And we are doing show number 625. I mean, we've been doing the show now for six years, and there are a ton of smart people that have been on this show. And you can go into our archives if you go to our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com, and you click on resources, you'll see all of our blog posts, all of our videos, and all of our podcast libraries are all there for you. And just a Hey, check out this word, a repository of wisdom, not necessarily by me, but by people that I've had on the show over the last six years. I mean, some really smart people. And I throw in a polished gem every now and then. We're going to talk about our book of the month this week, The Choice Point by Joanna Grover and Jonathan Rhodes. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about the national days we got coming up over the next seven days. If you want to be in celebration, there are plenty of national days that fits just about every category of interest. Tuesday, June 20th is World Productivity Day. It's also World Refugee Day, International Hike with a Geek Day. So if you're into hiking and you know a geek, you can take them with you. National Ice Cream Soda Day. Ooh, I got to stay away from that. National Vanilla Milkshake Day. National American Eagle Day. And I've shared this before on my social media, but at my house at the Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake down in Kentucky, I pulled up there here about two years ago, and I looked up in the tree, and there's a large tree branch that extends over the roof of my house. And in that branch were two bald eagles, and they were mates. And they were sitting there looking out over the lake. I'm sure they were looking for dinner. It was late afternoon. But then I got up the next morning. They were back on the branch looking for breakfast, looking to go and dive down on some unsuspecting fish in the lake, and maybe to take them back to the baby eagles. I'm not quite sure, but I just thought, how cool is that? Two bald eagles there sitting over my house. National American Eagle Day on Tuesday the 20th. On Wednesday the 21st, it is National Smoothie Day, World Peace and Prayer Day, International Day of Yoga, World Humanist Day, World Giraffe Day. Salute the giraffes in the animal kingdom. It's National Arizona Day on Wednesday the 21st, National Seashell Day, National Day of the Gong. Maybe we'll go back and watch some old episodes of the Gong Show. It's National Day of the Gong. Those of you who did not grow up in the 70s may not even know what I'm talking about with Chuck Barris and the Gong Show. 
National Selfie Day. Oh, my gosh, as if we didn't have enough selfies. Now it's got a whole day to itself. Summer actually begins on Wednesday the 21st. It's Go Skateboarding Day, National Daylight Appreciation Day. It's Ann and Samantha Day. Might have to investigate that sometime when I have more time. And National Peaches and Cream Day. On Thursday, June 22nd, we got National Kissing Day. So you'd be able to go up to somebody having their permission, of course, and kiss them. National Kissing Day. World Rainforest Day, National HVAC Tech Day. So all the heating and air technicians out there, your day is on Thursday. National Onion Ring Day. You could take an HVAC tech to lunch on Thursday and buy some onion rings. National Chocolate Eclair Day. And for dessert, have a chocolate eclair. Friday, the 23rd, we got National Detroit-style pizza day. I didn't even know Detroit was in the running for pizza. I've heard of Chicago pizza, New York pizza, St. Louis pizza, Detroit-style pizza day. Wow. They need their own day because I didn't know Detroit had a style of pizza. International Women in Engineering Day, International Widows Day, National Public Service Day, United Nations Day, National Take Your Dog to Work Day on Friday. So make sure you have your boss's permission. But if you do, take Fido to work. National Hydration Day, drink lots of refreshing liquid. National Pecan Sandies Day, National Pink Day on Friday. On the 24th, on Saturday, we got National Patch Day. Those jeans that have holes in them, we'll patch them up this Saturday. International Ragweed Day, Global Smurf Day. It's Summer's Giving. Not sure what that is. National Take Back the Lunch Break Day which on Saturday you should have a lunch break, International Fairy Day and National Pralines Day. On Sunday, the 25th, we got Day of the Seafarer, Global Beatles Day. So if you want to celebrate the Beatles, and that is the group, the British group from the 60s, the Beatles, it's Global Beatles Day, National Strawberry Parfait Day, National Leon Day, National Catfish Day, And then on the 26th, we have now got an International Day Against Drug Abuse and Illicit Trafficking Day, National Barcode Day, International Day in Support of Victims of Torture Day, National Coconut Day, National Chocolate Pudding Day, and National Beauticians Day, all on Monday the 26th. All right, those are your National Recognition Days for this week. We are talking about our book of the month this month, which is The Choice Point, the scientifically proven method to push past mental walls and achieve your goals. This book is written by Joanna Grover and Jonathan Rhodes. And if there's one thing that we need to do if we want to be high elite level performers is we have to push past our mental walls and achieve higher level goals. So I was really intrigued by this book. It's a brand new book, just came out this month. And the foreword was written by Martina Navratilova, which I thought was interesting, the high-performance elite-level tennis player. And the book has three parts. The first part is pushing past mental walls. The second part is reimagining your goals. The third part is going beyond. 
And we may have to bust this up in a couple of parts on the podcast. Let's start with the forward. And there's an interesting little thing that I put in my journal. When I come across little sayings or little paragraphs or little mechanisms that people used for performance, I like to write them down so I can keep them. And here's what Martina said about this little mechanism that she used to go through. She said, the first time I won Wimbledon, it was not the first time I experienced holding the trophy in my hands. I had held the Wimbledon trophy in my imagination for years. My dad planted the seed when I was little by telling me that one day I'd win Wimbledon. I believed him, but then again, what did I know about the world in the fourth grade? I had no idea what my journey would be, but I knew I'd have a big future. Wimbledon was such an iconic image that I could hold it in my mind's eye. So I would, and here's the mechanism, imagine winning the match point, imagine hitting great shots, imagine getting the trophy, holding the trophy, kissing the trophy, and lifting it over my head. These images became embedded in me. I had a destination and goals. Like most athletes, I'm goal-driven. Thankfully, I had confidence, too. I always felt like I could match up to anybody and compete in whatever sport I wanted to pursue. I chose tennis because I loved it. The moment I stepped out onto the court, I was home. I always loved tennis, and if I could win doing it, how great was that? I was not pushed into it by anyone. Quite the opposite. When it came time to practice, I was the first one out the door and onto the court. When I was five years old, I would hit the ball against a wall for hours, and I loved it. Keep in mind, this was long before smartphones and social media. I was never bored, and I never minded doing what it took to get better, no matter how strenuous or monotonous. The training was all part of the process, even the pain. I was not just going to eat the icing off the cake and leave the center, because that's not how champions are made. I did not pick and choose which part of the tough conditioning I wanted to do. I was committed to doing all of it. If I respected a coach, I'd listen and do my homework. You may be saying to yourself, that's easy for you to say. You're Martina Navratilova. Well, that part's true. I was once a pre-adolescent pipsqueak on the train to Prague. I was carrying my big dreams as well as my school bag and a tennis bag when a stranger asked me, why do you have all those tennis rackets? I said, I played tennis, and I quietly trusted that someday they would not ask that question. If you decide to go for your dream, you will likely be tested by adversity. It is important to have an internal compass that no one can touch, either a critic or a particular popular opponent. My life purpose is a commitment to human rights, a commitment to fairness, a value that came from my outspoken parents. The fame I gained from tennis enabled me to use my platform to speak out and maybe change some people's minds about their prejudices. And so let's get into the book. It's a great introduction by Martina. Part one is called Pushing Past Mental Walls. And chapter one is entitled From Mental Mutiny to Motivational Imagery. And it starts with a quote by the Irish point John O'Donohue, which says, let there be an opening into the quiet that lies beneath the chaos where you will find the peace you did not think possible and see what shimmers within the storm. 
Here's how they begin the book. Imagine your alarm sounds on an early January morning. You wake and look outside. It's cold and it's raining. Even though you've been diligent to your internal commitment and have every intention to get healthy, you decide not to go out for a run. You think tomorrow will be a dry day. You go back to your cozy bed and snooze for another 30 minutes. Finally, you get up and you feel guilty, which depletes your drive and derails your hopes for a healthier start to the year. Feeling slightly ashamed, you decide to have a big breakfast to cheer yourself up. You then realize that the same thing happened yesterday and the day before that. You think, maybe I'll try again in February. This is the choice point. Whether you run or whether you decide not to run, that is the question. Truth is, we ask ourselves to do or not to do questions every single day, and we make key decisions that influence our behavior moving forward. Choice points usually happen when we face a challenge. They pop up during or right before not doing an infinite variety of activities. Your office work, writing a thesis paper, preparing for an exam, running up a hill, swimming the last mile, working through a challenging dynamic in a relationship. For each of us, a choice point decision has the power to define who we are, a runner or not a runner an academic or not an academic, a healthy person or not a healthy person. By the time you get to a choice point, usually you've already invested a great deal of energy, motion, and attention and made many personal sacrifices that have you in a state of feeling depleted or a loss of motivation. When you feel drained, negative thoughts rush forward in open rebellion and challenges can seem insurmountable. This is the moment you need to make a critical decision that will reveal aspects of your character, your mental toughness and grit. We experience about 6,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. To understand that you are free to choose which of these thoughts you act on can change your life and has the potential to shape your destiny. Yet our decisions often default to the question of willpower because at that critical choice point, we forget to ask ourselves why we want to do the action and what it means for our future. The choice point is a moment that offers two options, mental mutiny or cognitive control. While mental mutiny threatens to lead us to disappointment in our actions, Cognitive control is the antithesis rooted in a commitment to our long-term goals, values, and meaning. In a day, even if only 0.1% of the 60,000 thoughts you have are choice point moments, that amounts to 60 critical yes or no, stop or go, quit or continue opportunities to choose. The choice point is not unconscious. It involves conscious thought. Thus, you have the agency to manage those thoughts as they enter your consciousness rather than default to an arm wrestle with willpower you might lose due to mental fatigue. Still, we have uncovered that by teaching our research participants and our clients to manage their attention during specific times of the day by perceiving obstacles and planning next steps through imagery, they report stronger willpower and a greater sense of free will, which increases their confidence and performance. Think about that. We have experienced this countless times where we have to make that choice point decision. Am I going to work out today or am I going to skip it? 
Am I going to order something healthy for my meal or am I going to order something unhealthy? And then we use some justification. After all, it's National Vanilla Milkshake Day. So I got to have a vanilla milkshake. I mean, it just got to. So we enter into that bad decision by justification model all the time. And so managing that choice point and being aware of it is really, really important. One of the things that I thought was interesting in this first part of the book, they say, find your own example and spend some time thinking about a specific time when you experienced a high level of focus and attention. You had an assignment and you just there was no other choice other than to get it done. It could have been to write a paper. It could have been to do a task. It could have been cooking a meal. And during that, you found yourself in a state of flow where you're really captivated by it and you're just moving right along and it seems really easy. And then all of a sudden you're finished. You've done the entire task. And they say in the book, while you're in this mental state, spontaneous thoughts are in harmony and they're working together and cooperating to help you complete whatever it is you started. And these harmonious thoughts come and go, but their connection empowers you to keep your focus for a long period so you can solve problems and really put your most awesome energy to work. And it feels easy. And so one of the things they're asking is, were there many distractions or did you put in a system that allowed you just to focus on what you were doing? Maybe you flipped your phone on silent. Maybe you closed your computer. Maybe you shut off your email for that hour. And when you did these actions, you inadvertently activated your behavioral program in your subconscious for work, and you quieted down all the cognitive chatter and noise. So the conclusion is how you plan your work makes a real difference to your success because the strategies you use, such as cues, and things like that, and the way you direct your focus and manage your self-talk and your entire physiology of your body helps you focus all those spontaneous thoughts in the same direction. Again, just some fabulous ideas in this book. Let's look at another model that they share. You can explore three factors of elaboration to manage your choice point so you can start making better choices. The applied practice of the theory of elaboration is found in memory, specifically in the working memory model by Badley and Hitch. This model demonstrates how information is received from the senses and processed in your brain. An input or stimulus enters consciousness, we give it attention, and then a part of our brain, known as the central executive, distributes that input to three systems. The first system is the phonological loop, which is your inner voice, your self-talk. Number two, visual spatial sketchpad, which is the part of your brain that manages images. And number three, the episodic buffer, which brings back to mind a specific event. So let's consider an example. Let your mind wander for a minute when we introduce a word. The word is lemon. Now, what do you think of when you hear yourself say that word, lemon? Take a few seconds and think about that word. 
Initially, you gave the word your focus and attention, and after reading the word, you retrieved its meaning in your head, which may have triggered multisensory imagery. This is elaboration. When asked to take a few seconds to think about the word, you repeated the word in your mind, causing more elaboration, and then you started rehearsal. It's probably still going on right now as you're listening to me. If you can now remember what the word is as it repeats in your head, it's moving from your short-term to your long-term memory. This auditory repetition is what's known as your phonological loop, and that is cognitive chatter or self-talk. It's often the voice inside your head that triggers the next system, which is your visual-spatial system. You may have, in your mind's eye, drawn the lemon, You may have admired the bright yellow color of the lemon, seen its dimples, and thought of how the weight would feel in your hand as you held it. You might have imagined bringing the lemon to your nose and smelling sweet citrus. You might have mentally sliced the lemon and envisioned the flower-like pattern of the pulp in each one of the wedges. You might have even fantasized about making a gin and tonic, or maybe that's just some of you. As you visualize the lemon, you may have also placed yourself mentally in a familiar location, maybe your kitchen. Maybe you thought of a specific memory or moment in time that has some meaning that involved a lemon. And this timestamp is the third system known as the episodic buffer, which adds familiarization to the elaboration. The episodic buffer is perhaps the most important of all three systems as we often recall and elaborate on events such as birthdays, holidays, and major life events because of their meaning to us. The episodic buffer is like a wall calendar of memories with important dates circled. To see this dynamic at play, let's have some fun and focus on the first band you went to watch perform live. Where were you? What was the venue like? What was the temperature? Who were you with? What's the story? As you think of this episode, take some time to consider the meaning behind the memory. Why does it matter? What was the year? Is it time stamped? The meaning of important events sparks multi-sensory elaboration, and if there is meaning, we are more likely to rehearse it. The episodic buffer is a fundamental part of the choice point because it involves your why, the meaning that generates the most detailed thoughts and ultimately becomes your own personal tool to motivate you, inspire you, and enhance your drive through challenging times. Now, I did this entire exercise several times with several things, several events in my life, and it was amazing the things that my brain started recalling that I hadn't thought about in years. Just fantastic and amazing stuff. Your brain is just a wonderful, wonderful tool that we don't use near enough. Let's look at chapter two here pretty quickly, and then we'll wrap up this episode of Better Than Before, and we'll get back to this book, The Choice Point, perhaps next week. Chapter two is called Functional Imagery Training. In the moment you first wake up, you may hit a choice point. You can immediately reach for your phone and scroll 15 to 30 minutes. Another choice is to get up and start your day by making yourself a priority, taking a walk, swimming, meditating, stretching, or engaging in some other constructive activity. Consider for a moment how you would feel after scrolling. How about getting up and meditating instead? How would you feel then? 
How does that feeling compare to the one you'd have after the first option? What if we told you we could teach you a method that, if you practice it for three minutes a day, will help you manage these choices in such a way that you can achieve your goals and bring more enjoyment to every aspect of your life? The more days you practice, the more you'd make decisions that support your goals. Plus, those three minutes a day not only would have a positive impact on you, but would have a beneficial ripple effect on the people around you as well. We created the three-minute exercise we call FIT, Functional Imagery Training, as part of our imagery coaching program. It's a powerful tool that helps you choose the actions and attitudes that bring you closer to your goals instead of taking you further from them. One of our first corporate clients, the CEO of Stratus, Charlie Alvarez, came to us with a simple goal. He wanted to win his first college friend's annual golf tournament, which was just four weeks away. Specifically, he wanted to learn to control his emotions under pressure. If he missed a shot, he would often let his memory of that one shot snowball and ruin his game. Because he came to us motivated to achieve a specific clear goal, we could jump right in. After four imagery sessions, Charlie was ready, and he went on to win the game. More important than winning the tournament, though, Charlie was inspired to use imagery to address other challenges. Almost a year after his first session, fit has become second nature to Charlie. It not only improved his golf game, it changed the way he manages himself and others. This is the same side effect that was observed in the weight loss study. Once people get how imagery works, they continue to use it. Does that make sense to you? So let's talk about your first fit session. Let's talk about why does this technique fit stick? Imagery evokes emotion and emotion shapes behavior. More than talking about changing behavior, imagining the future is something all of us do. But FIT teaches you how to make it a daily habit linked to your goals. FIT works because it creates a deliberate way to manage your thinking by redirecting and replacing thoughts that might otherwise cause you to quit or degrade your goals. It also works because it alters your inner chatter as the stories you tell yourself will likely create imagery too. By teaching you to understand and master your imagination, FIT helps you have a higher degree of confidence in your ability to succeed. It helps you become more conscientious because you've planned ahead and helps you keep moving forward, preserving when you reach the inevitable challenges along the way. Your first FIT session. As we mentioned, FIT begins with a conversation. We've adapted this conversation model to a journaling exercise for the book, providing typical motivational interview questions as prompts. While this method is not the same as being in the room with you, the questions still invite you to explore your core values as they relate to your goal. We've also added the feature of storytelling, since telling stories is a common way people communicate in conversation. If we met in person, you'd be sharing your story in much the same fashion. Your journal is your place to be honest with yourself, be vulnerable, and learn how you'll best progress toward your goals. It's an incubation chamber for your thoughts where you can jot down and then sit with certain contemplations and feelings. Often, when you incubate those thoughts, you'll start to plan mentally and emotionally for what lies ahead. 
Incubation takes new ideas and mixes them with old ideas, producing fresh perspectives that relate to you and your goals. The final reason for journaling is it allows you to track your trials and errors so you can refine how you approach challenges as well as day-to-day life and make changes that best suit how you work. The first journaling exercise is around understanding your core values. It will help you align your goal to your values so you can synchronize your vision with your actions. Below is a list of 83 values from the work of Miller and colleagues. Look through them and write down those that are most important to you. If a value comes up for you that isn't included, feel free to add it to the list. We talked about this with the Clear Vision Leadership Dashboard a couple of episodes ago, right? We have a whole list of values for you to choose from. They have a whole list of them here in this book, too. There's 83 of them. The authors then go on. How do you embody your values? Take a moment to examine how you live them. Very similar to what we do in the leadership value, right? But in your journal, consider and write down your top five values, which values were reflected in your personal goals, When two values compete for your time, how do you manage that? Now let's determine if your actions are in line with your values. If you have rated family as a core value, but you fail to keep in contact with yours, there is a discrepancy between your value and action. Likewise, if your value is health, but you don't exercise regularly or you often eat unhealthily or smoke, that's another disconnect. On the flip side, maybe you're aligned with your values and live them daily. If that's the case, you're probably good at prioritizing your tasks and your quality of life might be better because of it. If you feel like you've really nailed it and your actions mostly align with your values, feel free to skim the next paragraph and resume with the section titled Your Story. So there's a couple of paragraphs here to talk about how to do that. There's a paragraph called Your Story which they begin to then help you craft the story that you're going to take in every day. And you're going to refine your story until you get it exactly like you want in your journal. They have an exercise called five days of self exploration, which is a journaling exercise. It's a five day journaling exercise that takes you out of the dopamine driven system of your brain to the higher elevations of your brain where you're connected to your sense of meaning, intuition, and imagination. And then you go through the self-exploration process outlined in the book. And there's a day one exercise, day two, day three, so on and so forth to day five. And what it does is it slows your mind down to more thoroughly understand what you're doing rather than being an unconscious competence all the time. And you're doing these things without even realizing them. Right. And so just like viruses can get into your computer program and they can be there a little bit unnoticed, but they're affecting your program, even though it doesn't seem like anything's wrong with your computer, Those viruses are slowly but surely taking more ground in your computer and your computer is becoming more and more ineffective and it's not even noticeable to you. Those things can also happen in your subconscious and conscious. Those subconscious programs can be developed to a point where you don't even realize what you're doing, but it's slowly but surely doing bad things, causing you to have bad behaviors or behaviors that are contradictory to what you value most of all. 
And so it's a fabulous book. I really loved it. For someone like me, who's a master executive coach and advisor, it added a few tools to the toolbox I already have. Maybe that's the case with you, too. If you've been listening to this show for a while and you've been doing some of the things that I've suggested, then you are someone who journals. If you never have and you've never started, this book would be a great guide to how to get started and how to get your journaling going and how you can more effectively control the choices that you make. So you make better choices for yourself that are going to be more beneficial for your total life in the long term. The book is called The Choice Point. It's our book of the month for June, and it is just a great book written by Joanna Grover and Jonathan Rhodes. You can pick it up wherever books are sold. I want to continue with another part two of this, perhaps next week in our Better Than Before podcast. And there's a couple other things I really want to cover for you. Uh, that's our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter at Tony Richards Four. You can also pick up my book. It's called The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now. It's out of regular print, but you can get the digital version, both at our Clear Vision Development website and on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. And then my second book, which might be of interest to you if this book of the month interests you, it's called Journal Like a CEO, 365 Key Questions to Get Your Thoughts Started in Journaling. And so I ask you a question for every single day that I often ask to my CEO clients. And it can help you get going when you're stuck on one day and you need something to think about or write about. And they have great leadership and business applications. These key questions do. Special thanks, as always, to our producer, Tessa Hall, who's put this show together. She makes our show sound so great every single week. And until I see you again next week here on Better Than Before, I'm Tony Richards reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.